Welcome to the Cambridge Tech Podcast, talking all things technology from the heart of the UK's tech capital. Here are your hosts, Faye Holland and James Parton. Hi, I'm James. And I'm Faye. So today's guest is Amelia Armour, who is from Amadeus Capital. One of the reasons that we've invited Amelia is actually down to Christine Martin at Cambridge Enterprise, who'd recently run a round table with some of the local VCs. And she said, you've got to get Amelia on. And so that's why she's here. And I'm delighted that she's joining us. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. And and actually, I didn't realise that Amadeus actually have multiple locations, Oxford, San Francisco, Sao Paulo, as well as Cambridge. So it's going to be a really, hopefully, broad discussion. Hi, Amelia. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's, It's great to see you both. Would you like to start by just telling us a little bit about Amadeus? Sure. So Amadeus is a venture capital firm. So we've been around for 25 years. We were founded by Anne Glover and Herman Hauser. And we have offices in Cambridge and London. They were the original ones, but now we have teams in Oxford. Also, we have a a partner organization in Austria and we have a um, team in San Francisco and Brazil. So we have grown over that time and we have about a billion dollars of assets under management. And what I do at Amadeus is I'm part of the early stage funds. So I'm investing in seed stage deep tech companies in the UK. And what was your path to becoming a VC? Yeah, it's a bit different. Like It's quite interesting in VC. Everyone has different backgrounds. So I have, I actually grew up in Cambridge. I then went to Durham and I um, read biology and chemistry there. I then trained as an accountant, but I left quite quickly after qualifying and went to Australia and worked for an investment bank there. Then came back to London, worked for another investment bank and then moved to Amadeus about 13 years ago when my family moved from London to Cambridge. Right. So really strong financial background then. So, yeah. And you've developed the, the, the deep knowledge of tech as, as, a, as part of this new role. That's right. I obviously really love the science from my um, original degrees. So that's great because I sort of have understanding there um, and that really helps with evaluating companies. But yeah, bringing the, the sort of stringent financial review of companies is helpful and especially as they scale. And then I've just worked with an amazing team over the last 13 years. And obviously in Cambridge, we bring in a lot of outside resource to help us as well when we're evaluating companies. And there's great knowledge of of people and professors that we can go and speak to if if we need to. But yeah, it's been the most exciting role and I absolutely love it. You touched on the tech part of it then. What kind of tech do you look for? Yeah, so we're investing in what we call deep tech companies. So those are ones which have a significant scientific um, breakthrough that they're wanting to commercialise or there's a a lot of know-how behind what they're doing. And so a lot of the companies that I particularly invest in and about a third of the companies that Amadeus has invested in have come from Cambridge. So they're spin-outs from the departments um, here. So it might be from biology or physics, chemistry, engineering. And so it's where you've got a, a professor and a postdoc who have a new innovation or invention that they think you could grow at scale. And so they then come to us and we talk about how we might be able to fund them so that we can we can grow a commercially, hopefully very large company. 
So is is the portfolio exclusively university spin-outs then? No, not at all. So there's there's a range of people because we might back repeat entrepreneurs who are coming back to to do the do something different again or people that have come from industry and identified where there's a there's a gap or something that isn't working they thought well this would be better if we set up our our own company um, and so they've they've started that way so people have a, a range of different backgrounds and start at different points in their in their career journeys yeah, but it's not surprising that a lot of them are spinning out of the university. Yeah, and that's really important in the UK because we have really good academic strength here. So, you know, in uh, Europe, we have, I think it's seven of the top 10 universities are based in the UK. You know, I think it's uh, 40% um, of the, the top 50 are based in the in the UK. And so it's that strong academic base that we have in the UK, which which really underpins a lot of research which is done which then will hopefully um, you know, spin out of universities and then be commercialized. And you mentioned you're working at the early stage. For the founders or entrepreneurs that might be listening, I'm sure they'd be really interested to understand how companies get on your radar. You know, is it what's the mix of you scouting proactively or working with partners like Cambridge Enterprise versus people doing the classic kind of working their network to get an introduction to you or sending you pitch decks? You know, how, how does that work? Is there any any method that works better than others? So there's there's a whole range, and all that you mentioned do take do take place. So at the extreme, people just email in. Um, you can submit business plans through our website, and they get picked up that way, and, and we'll get reviewed. And then to the other extent, you know, we're working with Cambridge Enterprise, as you mentioned, who are the tech transfer team at the university, and so they will have helped companies, um, you know, license their IP, potentially incorporate a company, and then they may well cornerstone an investment round which we would we would come into with them but we spend a lot of time at accelerator events um going and meeting companies that's really important it's great when you see an entrepreneur pitch you get a lot of information about them as an individual and and as a company and then we get great introductions as well from people in our our network and then just through you know linkedin and you know a number of different cold sources of of great deal flow come in that way as, as well all channels are open. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's really important for us because we want to back a diverse range of founders. Yeah. And so that really runs to the core of us at Amadeus. You know, we're a very diverse group. We have sort of gender parity at our partnership level, which is unusual in the VC world, especially for a firm that is 25 years old. And, you know, we want to back the best founders. And so it's important that we give them a variety of different means, you know, to, to come and interact with us. That's great. Well, before we wrap up, we'll definitely come back and ask you for some top tips on maybe how to pitch to you guys. But jumping back to the the types of companies that Faye mentioned and the portfolio, some of them are certainly familiar to us. You know, we've had Charco on episode 19, Paragraph, Exemplar, River Lane are obviously quite hot at the moment. Um, why don't you kind of pick a few out? I mean, not your favourites, obviously. I'm sure they're all equally your favourites. But, you know, which ones like stand out from the Cambridge ecosystem for you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like having children. You can't you can't pick 
exactly, one. Yeah. You're not. But you can't on the podcast for sure. Yeah. No. So just to give you an idea of the types of companies that we're investing in, so the sectors that we're particularly focused on are AI and machine learning companies, uh, cybersecurity, digital health, med tech, uh, novel materials, and quantum technologies. And you've got all of those in Cambridge, which is quite exciting. Um, so one that's very exciting um, is a company called Paragraph, which is commercializing graphene. So that started with three founders in the materials department at Cambridge. And now we're scaling up um, producing graphene sensors, um, you know, at large commercial scale. And graphene was discovered 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's taken um, a team at Cambridge over the last sort of six or seven years to really bring it to the market so that it can be used in, in graphene, you know, based sensors. Um, and so the amazing properties of, of graphene and um, because of this rapid movement of electrons across uh, a substance which is just one atom thick, um, they've they've done using standard semiconductor manufacturing equipment and just started in the lab here and now have two sites in the Cambridgeshire area, which just is just phenomenal. Is it a manufacturing area they've just opened in Huntingdon? Yeah, that's right. So they they had an original site which they moved to when they got their seed funding. So their first um, round of funding, they moved from the lab in Cambridge out to a, a, a site in North Cambridgeshire. And now they've just opened this big site in Huntingdon, which is just going to be for commercial um, production of the sensors, whereas the original site will be used for R&D. We, we had Simon on the podcast for the Cambridge Tech Week wrap up and he was talking about the government call. We know he's he's very vocal about these things, which is, is good and something we can touch on, on later on. So that's paragraph. What, what about what about quantum, for example? Yeah, that's Quantum really... still makes my head hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've maybe. got the book. I've got the book. I hope you've got the book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's super exciting. You know, the benefits of quantum that could come to the population as a whole in terms of, you know, development of new drugs, development of new materials is so super exciting. And River Lane is a company that is based in Cambridge. It's providing an operating system so that companies that are producing uh, qubits, so the the underlying sort of hardware of um, the quantum computer, will be able to have error corrected qubits. And so that's what River Lane are focused on. And the government have recently announced that there's going to be a 2.5 billion you know quantum program. And so that's going to be great for supporting quantum technologies in the UK. And so, you know, River Lane we have in Cambridge, we also have a company called New Quantum, which is focusing on quantum interconnect. And so the scaling of hardware, comp- of the hardware, so that when quantum computers have to talk to each other, they can use the, the interconnect, which, which New Quantum are developing. And so hopefully both of these companies will get significant support from this, this new government programme, which, you know, is great for us in the UK so that we stay competitive. You know, there's huge amounts of investment in other countries, you know, China, investing unknown amounts in quantum, you know, thousands of people working on these quantum technologies and other countries need to keep uh, pace with them. And the, you know, US and other European countries are investing a lot in this space. And it's great that we're doing that too in the UK. Ilias Khan was on, he was talking about that, about the level of investment that's actually needed. And part of the conversation again at Cambridge Tech Week was about the quantum companies were really calling for businesses to come and say what their problems were because it's still so early 
that it could be shaped. You know, they can actually help to shape the whole technology, can't they? Yeah, it's really exciting to be living through this new technology being developed. Um, you know, sort of classical computing was already in place when I started my career. You know, it was, and and now you know to have quantum developing in front of us, and, and you know how it grows over the next ten years, and then all the applications that will be on top of the the quantum hardware. That's extremely exciting, and I think will be an extremely exciting investment area for you know the next 10 to 20 years and beyond yeah i mean ai is rightly gain you know gaining a lot of attention right now do you see quantum as being more disruptive i guess it would be because it's more of a foundational platform right for everything else to happen um, yeah. but slightly longer time horizon a slightly longer time horizon for for quantum at the moment obviously you know ai we've been investing in ai companies uh, for a while we invested in vocal iq in 2014 which was sold to apple in 2015 and so ai investing has been quite central to what we've been doing for the for the last few years and i think it's the release of you know the chat gpt system through open ai that's really brought ai to the forefront of a lot of people's minds and you can see uh, the, the power of what these large language models are doing and the quantum you know the, the hardware is being developed at the moment so we don't have sort of working applications yet but it's, it's not very far off and again will be really disruptive but but in a you know potentially in a, in a different way in, in terms of you know as I mentioned the development of, of new medicines that would be quite phenomenal like, you know really understanding how electrons move uh, when you're combining you know drugs with a potential target and being able to do a lot more in simulation will speed up drug development and so you don't need to do as much uh, sort of work in the lab and so hopefully that will have a real benefit for humanity of, of treating diseases much more quickly. You'll, you'll be very pleased to hear Herman's coming on as well so I'm sure that oh, will really? be that's going to be a quantum heavy one as well for you James. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in terms of other sectors health tech you know Charco you, you James just mentioned we've had it on the podcast already um, what other other companies have you got in that area? Yeah, that's a really exciting space because obviously you can bring AI into healthcare as as well. So we have a, a company called Kibim, which is actually based in Spain in Valencia, and that's um, helping um, people who are doing uh, analysing X-rays to pick up the spread of diseases. So they are working in particular with prostate cancer to be able to tell how far developed people are uh, with their prostate cancer, but without having to do any physical intervention. And so that's amazing that you can then look at the scans and, and get that information that way. And so that's why I think AI is quite exciting because it layers across all of these, these different sectors. And so, you know, Kibim are, are training models then that can that can help with, with diagnosis and then help with treatments. So, I mean, I say quite often, it's that convergence of tech that actually makes things really interesting. Yeah, that's right. And you see that in Cambridge, you know, there's a lot of life sciences and technology, but then this overlap between the two. So, you know, Helix is another company in Cambridge, which is repositioning um, existing drugs to treat rare diseases. And it's using AI to, you know, form a short list of potential um, compounds or molecules which could be used to, to treat particular diseases, which at the moment have, have no therapies at all. Do your companies collaborate with each other? 
Yeah, sometimes. So because we invest in only a particular number of sectors, so we're we're not doing really doing any consumer products and we're not doing any marketplaces. So there is some cohesion between the companies that we're investing in. And so we will hold events such as a CEO evenings where people can come together and discuss their own particular companies and the stages that, that they are going through. Um, sometimes we've had companies in the portfolio that have been very close and have ended up merging and, and actually putting businesses together at, at this extreme of collaboration. Um, but certainly, you know, you can see some companies, so, you know, w- ones that may be working on simulation, may be able to feed into another company that's working on novel materials to, to help them simulate what a, a particular new material or, or a new idea they might have could, could look like. So there is some collaboration between the companies in in that way you touched on at the beginning that you've got offices in you know multiple countries uh certainly the the us and you mentioned oxford as well that other university cities are available um <laughs> how how do the offices you know collaborate together and how do you do you kind of um do you merge deal flow and look at it on a global level or does each office operate independently how, how does that work yeah so we work on a fund specific uh basis so we have teams that are focused on particular geographies and then particular stages and and particular technologies. So, you know, the early stage funds where I work, we have four partners and we're focused, you know, 75% of our deals are in the UK, all at the seed stage, and we work as a a group together. We then have a a separate team that are focused on investing in later stage companies across Europe, and then a third team which are focused on um, investing in, again, later stage companies in Latin America. So they're all under the Amadeus umbrella and so we all come together as a team you know that's really important for us to to share ideas and what we're working on on a on a monday that's a big day for us we have all of our team meetings on a monday like most vcs do it's all monday afternoon um and so we come together for a short period of time for all of the people that are working in all of those investment teams so globally we will have a have a meeting and then beneath that we then have individual fund meetings and that's that's really important that people are really focused and very clear on what their particular investment remit remit is i guess the natural follow-on question to that is do you publish your investment criteria or are you trawling a wide net and you take everything on a case-by-case basis yeah so we we try and provide information on our on our website about where we're focused and what types of companies we we're interested in um so yes to to an extent we you know we're interested in the deep tech investments and then the stages that we're interested in so hopefully then people come to us with some knowledge of the type of um type of investments that we're interested in in looking at the type of companies that we can we can really support and and one of the things that I see is quite important in the role that we do is we're, we're taking you know companies that have amazing tech at the seed stage and then we're trying to help them get to a great product at this at the next funding round so at series a so at that point they've achieved lots of milestones they've seen an uplift in value and then that will encourage new investors to come in and support the company from series a and and beyond and this this movement from tech to product I think the the faster people can do that with the efficient use of capital the the better so do you provide a lot of support to help them bridge that gap is there leadership coaching and like programs as being a benefit of being part of your portfolio as well as you guys just writing a check 
Yeah, that's right. So as you mentioned, we joined the board and we take an active role through our board seats in thinking about the longer term strategy of, of the company. And then because of the stage and, you know, because quite a number of us at Cambridge Focus, we will pull in people from our network to to help the companies on, on this journey and, and, and keeping them, you know, sometimes people can do a lot of different things with their technology and you want to say to them, well, what, what is the thing that, that you really like, or you really want to do? Where's the big market opportunity? and to try and keep uh, people on track to just, you know, delivering on these clear milestones rather than diluting their impact. Because the, the danger is with an early stage company, you're generally, you know when cash out is. And so you're always chasing the time and how much money you have left, especially, you know, if you don't have any early revenue. And so it's like really achieving things in, the, in those first, you know, 18 months, which is important and keeping people focused on that. If you are a startup looking to grow in Cambridge, the Bradfield Centre offers a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and home working mix. There's a vibrant, collaborative atmosphere, on-site cafe, plenty of green outside space and regular member social events. We also offer a range of high-quality meeting spaces for hire and for tech event organisers, our auditorium, Lakeside Pavilion and Atrium Spaces are perfect to bring your communities together for in-person and hybrid events. For more information, visit bradfieldcentre.com or call 01223 919 600. You, you obviously are in a position where you can pick the right companies for your portfolio. My question is, are there any that get away? Yeah, so the good thing now is entrepreneurs have choice of funding, and I think that's great. And especially in Cambridge, they can choose from a number of different investors. And so it is competitive. So, you know, deals that are hot, you, you know, we work hard to get into to show the value that we can bring. Um, and so you're you're providing more than just money. I think that's really important. It's it's just not it's not just a check that, that comes from Amadeus. It's the support of the team and the wider group. Uh, to really help help with that scaling journey, and so yes, yeah, some deals we we may not win them all, unfortunately, um, but we certainly we certainly try really hard for the ones that that we really believe in that that you know we will try and get into those. So I saw you recently at Cambridge Tech Week. Um, I was running up and down the Innovation Alley, catching up with people. Um, were there any highlights from the event overall, or in Innovation Alley specifically? Yeah, that was a great event and it was amazing that the team there had, had pulled it together because it was really ambitious with the number of days they had and so it was it was wonderful and there's some really good speakers. I particularly liked hearing from Martina at Feature Space and about her journey. That was that was great. I really love hearing about people's careers and what she was doing before and how she started with Feature Space was was great. And then the the Innovation Alley, that was that was good. Um, you know, Zampler were presenting there, which is one of of our portfolio companies so they're a novel materials company which is uh, uh, creating a plastics replacement from protein from plant protein and so it was it was good to see them there and and demonstrating you know the strength of the Cambridge um, ecosystem and the startups that we have here 
Great. And one of the reasons that we invited you, and many of reasons we invite people onto the podcast, but one of them, as I said at the start, was with Christine Martin, that she'd pulled together all of the VCs in Cambridge and they were, you were having a conversation with the, with her seed team at Cambridge Enterprise. And she said to me, you've got to get Amelia onto the podcast because actually she's got some really good views on overall the innovation landscape and whether you should be bullish or be a little bit more cautious. So what what are your top tips? What what made Christine say you should come on the podcast? <laughs> uh, that's very that's very kind of Christine. Yeah, I, I know the Cambridge Enterprise team very well. We work quite closely together on a number of companies and they are just brilliant because they're the ones who are, you know, getting the IP out of the university and into the companies so that people like me can can fund them. And that is such an important role. And, you know, we're trying to do more of that in the UK. You know, there are only a handful of universities where we're seeing spin outs and we want to see, you know, we want to see more. And so a guide has recently been produced, which um, is to provide, you know, rough outline of terms that entrepreneurs should um, be negotiating around with the tech transfer teams at universities to try and make it easier to go through those negotiations because you have a template and to make it faster so that um, entrepreneurs can can get their ideas out into into the marketplace much more quickly to to really fuel our own ecosystem. So I feel really bullish about Cambridge and about the UK and, and our push to be a science superpower. But there's more that needs to be done um, you know, there's more support through funding to companies. There's more talent that we need for particular areas. You know, there are companies such as Paragraph who are scaling up the graphene production. You know, they uh, are always out trying to get the right kind of talent to join their team. And so we need to be able to attract those types of people to come and, and work in the UK. Um, and then we ne we need the experience of people who have scaled up before to help our entrepreneurs in the UK scale up as well so that we can produce, you know, a greater number of billion dollar companies and beyond in, in the UK. You, you touched there on, you know, universities sharing best practice and knowledge. What's your thoughts on the role of government? I mean, we've seen recently Scott White, who was a guest on our very first episode, speaking on Radio 4 about the delay on the government's um, semiconductor strategy and the challenges of obviously establishing that industry in the UK. You, you touched on there that, that stated aim of being a science superpower. What, what do you think that role is for government to play in this sector whilst allowing, you know, the commercial side of things to actually drive um, a, a pragmatic and uh, agile path forward? Yeah, I think the industrial strategy is something that that we need to hear from the government what, what their plans are for the UK, because in the US and in Europe, there have been these big chips acts, which are providing billions of investment to these particular ecosystems. And we just don't have the, especially on the semiconductor side, the developed supply chains in the UK. If you look to other um, European countries, you know, the Netherlands, and other places, and France, for example, there's um, there are places where we can incubate companies and get them going there, and they can get access to equipment. You know, we don't have the equivalent uh, places in in the UK, and so 
it is harder and it will be good to hear from the government on their in, in, on the industrial strategy because you know it's difficult for our companies you know to access that US and European money and so it'd be it'd be good to hear what what's going to be done in in the UK because you know high tech manufacturing such as what paragraph is doing you know i think that's really important that we have that in the UK it will provide huge numbers of jobs bring a whole supply chain that doesn't currently exist here but obviously help help is needed are your founders signaling some concern about kind of investing into the UK while there's that air of uncertainty around things or or are they still pretty bullish about you know building in the UK I think it depends uh, which sectors they're in so certainly on the semiconductor side I think it's I think it's harder and they are looking at other places of where they could potentially raise capital and they they need to raise capital from a, a wide you know investment group um, but also where there are governments that will will provide support you know the the quantum investment of two and a half billion you know for UK companies is really exciting and shows real support for that particular industry but not every industry is being supported in the same way um and so it's is you know which industries do we need to support um if we if we want those types of companies to be based in this country i think it's really interesting isn't it i mean i can't remember how many years ago it was the science and innovation audit maybe six seven years ago and that was a really good piece of work coming out of the government but i'm not really sure much happened with it so it's like, what can we do? Is it is it a case of businesses? You know, is it the Scott Whites and the Simon Thomases, you know, knocking on the door of government all the time saying, you've got to up your game? Is that, is that how we progress and get the, you know, because 2.5 billion for um, quantum is a large sum, but that's nothing compared to what the US and China will be contributing. I think government do understand this this um, notion of the UK science superpower is is something that people are striving for. So I think that is you know it's well understood that you know growth and productivity will will come through potentially commercialization of you know of our R and D here. And certainly you know within the world, I think we're seen as a really good developer of great you know we've got great academics here and we've got great innovations. And it's all about this. Scale scale up then now that we we need to focus on interesting so i I promised earlier that i would ask you for your top tips for any entrepreneurs out there listening of of how to get your attention and what, what you look for in a great pitch what what would your top three or five tips be well i think we look for three things so i think everyone looks for a great team you know have you got the right people around you have you got um advisors who are working with you because that shows credibility of people are prepared to, to come and spend some time with you then you know what is your innovation is it is it truly is it truly novel is it really disruptive you know do you what change do you get is it a 10x speed up 10x reduction in cost you know what really clear on what your innovation is and then how big is your market and that's where a lot of companies aren't suitable for venture uh, funding because just the eventual market size is not large enough for them. So it may be a great idea and a great team, but if it's a niche market, then we just can't grow the company to the scale that is is needed to take you know venture capital funding. So maybe in that case, you look for another source of funding, which which might be more applicable. But you know, re- a really sizable market and a global market that you can target. Super interesting. Um, I guess the final question is, is there anything you're specifically looking out for now on the horizon or, you know, you want us to be a a scientific superpower 
Is there is there another call out there for you? I think quantum technologies is super exciting for us and we'll continue to invest in that space. Obviously, AI is is really hot at the moment. There's a lot of enthusiasm for, for AI companies, especially around these generative um, AI and large language models. Um, but we're sort of already focused on, on that on that space. So I think we will continue to invest in invest in those areas. And I think the one other thing I think is is um, cybersecurity is just continues to to ramp. Um, so that that will be a, a, an important area that continues to grow. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. Very much appreciated. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So that's another great interview under our belt, James. Um, It's always good to hear perspectives from different types of companies as well as the entrepreneurial community, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. And we've got so much more of that coming up on the schedule too, from tech editors to long-term entrepreneurs and even people from the public sector. So definitely a ton of content to be tuning into. But what about you, Faye? What does your week look like? So last week I went to the SciTech Awards and saw loads of people there. Um, it was it was a really successful event for Cambridge Independent. There were like 81 finalists in there. Yeah, I can't remember how many awards there were, like 14, 15, 16, something like that. It was a marathon awards presentation, but there were really good companies and researchers in there. It was hosted at ARU, um, so there were quite a few of those researchers that had, had submitted, because obviously it was higher on their agenda too. Um, but it was, it was really good. Um, thinking of companies of note that were there, Pragmatic, Poritech, 52, North Health, all took away top prize. So I was like, you know, the, the mother hen again going, oh, I know these companies. Oh, either I know them or they've been on the podcast. So it was great. Um, Inte- Intelligence, Ben, um, his team also won. And the, he's coming on the podcast soon as well. Some of the other companies that we know were there, Voila, Focal Point, Feature Space. And I mean, again, I'm not going to read all 81, the finalists, because that might take quite a while um i also caught up with peter cowley uh, he won a lifetime achievement award which was really great and he he gave a, a, a quick address um to everyone so he's coming up going to come on to the podcast later in the year too um and then there were quite a few others as well james i think we need to reach out to all though i know our roster is just getting so packed but companies like bango and then we talked about it a little bit at the live episode when we were talking about the decades of, of businesses. Printing tech is still really huge, you know, and companies like Domino and Zar were there as well. So, yeah, it was it, it was really good, you know, a re- really good event and a good showcase. That's a good point, actually. I'd love to learn more about the history of printing in Cambridge, because I know for a fact it was one of the early innovators around inkjet printing, wasn't it, in Cambridge? Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm sure that they've changed. I know domino printing has really um, become a lot more dynamic over the last few years as well. So something has happened. They're doing something different. And I couldn't tell you what, um, but we we should go find out. You've had some interesting news this week, though, haven't you? We have. So um, my company, Cofinitive, which most of you already know, we made the PR Week, which is an independent industry media outlet they run the 150 companies listings for PR and comms companies, really reflecting 
the cream of the PR and comms companies out there, so really big names. Um, but our little company has made it on there as well for the second year. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm super proud. We always pack a punch in, in things that we do. So to be recognised on there is super cool. And we're the only company in Cambridge that makes a list. And we are the only company that makes a tech list as well in Cambridge. So... So for the uninitiated, how does the that kind of shortlisting process work? Do you apply? Are you mysteriously nominated by someone? How, how do you get to know about it? Yeah, so they do it. I mean, obviously, we, we know the industry, but they do it through, you know, your accounts, your growth, your reputation uh, and all that kind of stuff. So you do have to provide, you know, your financial credentials. It's, you know, it's quite a heavily fought after list. And there's, there's you know, there's a fair amount of movement on it each year, to be honest. But the fact that we're on it is just super cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And thanks for letting me do a little a little bit of promo on there too. That's very nice of you. So go on, what, what have you... They, they, I guess they're my two main things from last week. What about you? Yeah, they're pretty good things. Um, yeah, my week has been really interesting. I was going to go to the Tech Awards, uh, but a combination of still catching up from Tech Week and just being, frankly, burnt out from events. So I tip my hat to you that you've still got the stamina to keep going to these things. You know me, networking guru. Yeah, you're like a machine. Thanks. (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) I like machines. Yeah, so I didn't. I took a took a rain check on the tech uh, tech awards, but had some really really interesting meetings around some developments of the Bradfield Centre, which I can't really go into just yet. Um, which I know is a tease. Yeah, you can't say that and then not tell us. I know, but I'm going to have to. But you know, if they do come off, it will be a real significant boost to the support that we offer to both early stage and scale up companies. So uh, very excited about that. And continuing on from last week's theme around the wealth divide in the city from the live event we had and the wrap up from Cambridge Tech Week, the Red Hen Project was in the Bradfield Centre this week and they raised over £500 at a coffee morning at the Bradfield, which was fantastic. And again, just to kind of give them a shout out, if anyone can help them out in terms of time to volunteer or skills to help them develop their business or donations, money is always good. Uh, please get in touch with them directly by Googling the Red Hen Project Cambridge or reach out to us and we'll happily connect you. I also met up with Morag from EV again, which was fantastic. Uh, So if you haven't listened to our uh, show with Morag, I'd certainly recommend you go back in the archive. It's episode 22, just to save you a bit of Googling there. And I also had a good chat with a potential sponsor. Um, So again, you know, we occasionally do make this point none of this would be possible without our fantastic supporters and and their belief this is still a kind of very early endeavor for us so we do appreciate them kind of believing in the potential of the podcast and and the value it you know can deliver for cambridge so let's take that quick opportunity to give a shout out to everyone supporting us right now so that's mantle space GrowthWorks, ko data cambridge tv and business weekly so if you'd like to get involved in the show, we've got tons of different packages and ideas to discuss with you. So just drop us an email at info at cambridgetechpodcast.com. So should we take a look now at what else is happening in the news? Yeah, let's do that. 
First up, Echion Technologies, they've signed a new MOU. They have a world-leading niobium-based anode material um, that enables lithium-ion batteries to fast charge safely in less than 10 minutes with high energy density and a cycle life of more than 10,000 cycles. So very impressive technology company. So this MOU that they've signed is with a Taiwan-based company called Gus Technology who are a specialist in lithium-ion batteries and a variety of other things. And uh, you know, it looks like this, this MOU will be the start of a very deep collaboration between the companies that are going to make batteries safer, faster, and all of those types of things. Yeah, there's a lot of battery tech in Cambridge. We should maybe do a, an episode on that. I mean, Naya Bolt spring to mind. Uh, Mark, one of the winners of the Trinity Bradfield Prize last year. Okay, moving on. Cambridge University spin-out Cambridge Touch Technologies, who are headquartered on the Cambridge Science Park, is planning to tape out its first commercial chip later this year. CTT, which also has operations in Montreal, Munich, Shanghai and Taiwan, and Tokyo, has credited Cambridge Tech torchbearer ARM for helping it reach its milestone. CTT have signed up to ARM's Flexible Access Initiative in 2021, when it was still in the very early stages of its funding process. Cambridge Touch CEO and co-founder Corbin Church said within two years of signing up, we already have a second product in the pipeline and are planning to tape out our first commercial chip later this year. So that's great recognition for ARM and their various new tech support initiatives. Johnson Matthew, a global leader in sustainable technologies with bases at both the Science Park, Cambridge Science Park and in Royston, has signed a three-year strategic supply agreement to ramp up renewable hydrogen production with a Norwegian company, Highstar. Cambridge startup Advanced Infrastructure has been selected by UK Power Networks for the development of a digital local area energy planning tool designed to support local authorities in the development of local area energy plans, as well as enabling UK Power Networks to better forecast and plan for network enhancements, which is something that's becoming ever more important. And we talked about this company last week at their EdTech business called Synaptic. They use AI to deliver feedback-driven teaching and learning to users at scale. And they've hit the news for a variety of reasons, one of them being they've entered into four categories of the upcoming Business Weekly Awards, demonstrating some really exciting potential for their technology. Um, So it's a Cambridge-based company. It's led by two female co-founders, both of them Cambridge graduates. And they're really passionate about what they do. And actually, they're already scheduled to appear on the podcast later this year. Of course they are. So you mentioned there the Business Weekly Awards. Just a a quick shout out for that. There's still a month to go before the deadline. So if anyone would like to submit um, an entry, go to Business Weekly's website and uh, you can apply from there. And that's it. I think they're the main highlights of news from this week. So do tune in next week when we're going to be talking to Dan Clark, Head of Technology and Innovation at the Greater Cambridge Partnership, about how the Cambridge public sector adopts new technology themselves. Today's show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV and supported by our media partner, Business Weekly. The Cambridge Tech Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms and on cambridgetechpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star review. It will really help others discover the show.
Are you a data-driven business looking for resilient infrastructure, connectivity, and the power to compute sustainably? KO Data's scalable state-of-the-art facilities support the mission-critical workloads of life sciences, biotech, and AI startups in Cambridge. To find out how we can help host your compute, get in touch at kodata.com contact.